When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the right time, a Wave Sports and Entertainment original presented by Prize Picks. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Subscribe, like, rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars, I'm inclined to believe. You are a hater. Uh, we had a lot of NFL football action. Uh, we're going to talk about my Lions in a little while, you know, allow me to get myself where I need to be, you know, in the old ticker. It's been a lot, but we'll talk about the first game, the Ravens against the Chiefs. As many of you know, I went and watched that game at my buddy Nick's house, and I went to watch that game at my buddy's Nick's house, quite honestly for y'all, if I'm going to be honest, right? I really did that for you guys. Like, I go to Nick's house often, well, not as much in the last couple of years, but I go and I watch football, but also his daughter, she's like 10 years old now. We got a report. We have a great time hanging out with each other. But the problem is in the stressed out games, Nick can't even really allow her to be around. I think because he don't want her to see him like that. But the girl not deaf. So even though she downstairs cooking dinner with her mom or cooking lunch with her mom or whatever, she hear her daddy a maniac upstairs. Her daddy's such a maniac upstairs that one of my homies had rolled uh, the cellar up from Philadelphia. We were just hanging out. And I was like, okay, we can go watch the game at Nick's house. I ain't never had no problem bringing no friend over to Nick's house before. And I sent Nick a text. I'm like, yo, it's cool if I bring the homie. And he's like, I don't know. Um, He knows there'll be no non-game talk, right? What? Like Like, that was the thing. I was like, dude, man, he cool, man. He coming with me, right? So he's coming. At some point in the first half, one of Nick's other friends was there. I'm hollering at him. We talking. We go back and forth. We know each other a little bit through the years. And I was telling him about something that was going on with my life. I'm telling him about something that's going on with my life. This motherfucker in the red sweatsuit got the remote and turned the TV up. I'm not, I'm, I'm dead ass, dog. He turned the TV up. Like, if you don't want to hear it, that's fine. What about your man? We, he was engrossed in the conversation. But anyway, we was there. We was watching the game. It was very, very interesting uh, the way the game ultimately played out. Uh, and it was ultimately solidified on a throw at the end of the game where it's kind of like a cyclical moment for the season of sorts because basically Patrick Mahomes reared back and threw it to Featherstone and Stone Hands brought the ball in. And it's kind of like, oh, man, all that faith that Patrick Mahomes had in him that I personally wouldn't have was rewarded in the end. Way to go, Featherstone. You made that happen. That was a good job. On the other side, you had the Ravens, who in various ways were just like, I mean, I'm not saying we don't want to win the game, but like maybe we don't. <laughs> right? Like, like maybe at points. Like Lamar Jackson had that throw he threw at the end of the game. We threw it in there to three different people that was wearing white. And I just felt like for him, he was like, hey man. What's the big deal about winning anyway, right? 
Zay Flowers, honestly, I can't say Zay Flowers didn't want to win the game. I felt like that little dude wanted to win the game just a little bit too much. Stretched that ball out, shouldn't have done that. Got the ball knocked loose. Then he came over on the sideline, slammed his hand down or something, cut his hand. They had to strap it up. I didn't know if they had to put no stitches in it or nothing, but they had to put some stuff on there to get his hand right. He was over there losing his mind. Lamar Jackson coming off the field, throwing his helmet around. And bottom line is, they got shook. On one side, it was the champs. On the other side, it was a bunch of shook dudes. And the Ravens top to bottom, at least on offense. I can't say for certain that that defense looked shook. But that offense, they looked shook. And it didn't look like nobody was getting open. And I can tell you, them dudes had a lot of chances to get open. Because apparently... Ty Munkin left the playbook with all the running plays in it in the car. And it wasn't no time to get nobody to run out there and get it for him. All he had was the passing plays. That was it. He was doing that like it was Tecmo Bowl. You remember it was a couple teams on the first Tecmo Bowl. I think the Dolphins was one of them. All they had was one running play. I think the 49ers were kicking it the same way. All they had was one running play. You know what time it was? They was going to be flanging that thing around. And Todd Monkey came in and just decided, nah, man, all we're going to do is run pass plays. And that's what makes it so wild that nobody seemed to be open because your boy Lamar seemed to be dropping back. They was rushing for Lamar dropping back. He's back there looking around, looking around, right? I'll have that all 22. Maybe it was some dudes open and Lamar wasn't seeing them. It seemed from here, though, that the more likely scenario was what nobody open. Now, this is the thing. And this is where there's a certain irony to Lamar Jackson's performance. Okay. What you have in Lamar Jackson, we got in that, you know, Cam Newton had that game manager discussion, right? We talk about they're like game managers and game changers. And I think all of us, even Lamar Jackson's critics, would agree that he falls under the category of the game changer right like this is a guy who's just like hey on my back we can go ahead and make this happen okay in that game it didn't seem like the dudes were getting open it didn't seem like Todd Monk and the offensive coordinator was doing him a lot of favors at that point you gotta say on my back we gonna go make this happen and that's what he did not do like for all the talk that people will have about Lamar as a passer and anybody who comes out of this game, at least as far as I'm concerned, who comes out of this game and talks about what the issue is, is that he's just a good enough, not a good enough passer. Oh, no, 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 no. I think that you're missing the point. I think the problem in this game was he was trying too damn hard to be a passer. And at some point, when you look around and see what was going on, you just got to be the dude to go do it. Right? Like, fine then. Shit. Yeah, cool. I'll go do it. And if you got to run and get three or four yards every little time or whatever, okay, cool. That's what you got to do. But you go look at that box score, all right? They weren't giving the ball to the running backs. And outside of Zay Flowers, it appeared that the most dynamic receiving threat that the Ravens had, you know who it was, Sean? You know who it was? It was Lamar Jackson. Yes, it was. It was Lamar Jackson. The closest I came to thinking, all he about to do it is when Lamar Jackson caught his own pass. That's where they were. That's where they got, right? And so I have what I do feel like much of what I've seen about the game and people talking about Lamar Jackson, I do think it's gone too far. Like, I don't think he played poorly. I certainly don't think he played well. 
but I do not think that he played poorly. Like, I don't think that that's a fair characterization to make to say he played poorly. To me, it's like if you're saying he played poorly, if the same person was under the same circumstances, but they could not run, you wouldn't as be, be as inclined to say that they played poorly. But in the case of Lamar, because he had that other option, he played confusing to me more than it was that he played poorly, but he didn't play well. Because in the end, man, we talking about a dude that's the MVP. And the idea behind that, at least to me, is we got a guy that when ain't nothing else working, he going to do something. It's going to be one thing. It's going to be another. He going to do something. And he didn't. And it's not, look, it's not like the Ravens didn't have chances. Okay? They had the chance when Zay Flowers fumbled there at the end. They had the chance when Lamar threw that terrible interception. Right? They had chances to get this done. The defense held Patrick Mahomes to only 17 points, right? It's hard to make the argument that they did not do their job, okay? You could even make the argument if you were so inclined, and this is part of why I try to avoid using certain terms, right? One term I try to avoid using is when you get out here and say somebody, quote, unquote, did enough to win, okay? I mean, I could make you an argument that Lamar Jackson did enough to win. I could say this thing here, this thing there, whatever it is, I can say that about damn near anybody because I done seen people win under all kinds of crazy circumstances. I once saw Tim Tebow win a game where he completed one goddamn pass and that was enough to win. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can always lay out for you. I can say Lamar Jackson did enough to win. If this person did that, if that person did this, whatever it is, then they would have been cool. I could say that. But the thing that is not a, I could say that, it is the, this is what you got to say. He may have done enough to win, but he didn't, right? Like, no matter what you think, that dude is not the reason that the Ravens won the game because the Ravens did not win the game. The criticism that I had with the way that people talked about Josh Allen after that game against Kansas City was all of it after a loss was about how great he was. And A, I thought he was closer to being good than he was to great, though there were flash plays. But in the end, what we're not going to do is treat losers like winners. And I'm not saying that Josh Allen is like a loser in the core of his soul, but he was a loser that day. We're not going to treat the loser like the winner. That boom. Okay. So anybody who came at me and said, am I going to give the same energy to Lamar Jackson that I gave to Josh Allen? You damn right. I'm going to, because I'm not going to treat the loser like the winner. That dude, that day was the loser. They lost. Ain't no acting like they won. In the end, what he got to look at himself and ask is really basically two things. Number one, why was I out here looking so shook and tense, right? He said after the game, he wasn't frustrated. He was angry. Hey, man, ain't really no time for that when you're out there playing and you're losing, right? Like, you got to go figure that out. That's number one to me. Number two, why didn't you just do what you do? You know, like, like to me, very often it feels like with these dudes, especially the ones that they tell, hey, man, you know, but you got to become a real passer or whatever it is. You ain't got to do it that way. And if you want proof that you don't have to do it that way, go look at Josh Allen. Go look at Josh Allen. Because that's the one good thing about it for him. I feel like Josh Allen, like, Sean, I don't know if I ever told you this, right? Somebody going to get mad at me for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Have I ever told you what I think is like the greatest example and demonstration of white privilege? <laughs> you have not. I'm excited to hear this. Hey, man. You play some music, white people can do whatever the hell they want to do with their arms, legs, and feet. It don't matter. It don't matter. Beat? What beat? I'm the beat, right? I ain't got to stay on the beat. What for? 
I, I just want to be myself. White people get out there, do whatever it is, man. We, we just clap ball. Way to go. Just give it a try, right? That's what Josh Allen, all they look funny when I run or whatever it is. And they be telling people what you got to do to be a real passer. Psh, I ain't got to do that. I'm the beat, right? I, uh, this is a real passer right here. Whatever it takes, I'm going to do that exact same thing. And so when Josh Allen get back there and they give him the room to run, He's not thinking to himself or has not said to himself, man, I got to go. I got to show these people I'm a real passer. It ain't nothing to that. He's going to show these dudes he's Josh Allen and he goes out there and get it done. And I tell you, the Ravens would have been much better off if that dude went out there and showed them that he was Lamar Jackson instead of trying so hard to pin like to, to, to pick them apart from the pocket. And look, and to be fair, again, I don't know what it was looking like. I don't know if they had dudes that were just there waiting on him to run or whatever. I don't have the exact advantage of that. But I do know this. All that looking, 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 that wasn't the game for that, right? Like once it was clear that doing it like that wasn't really working, that wasn't the game for that. You had to be the one to go make it happen. The scheme wasn't going to make it happen. Them dudes wasn't going to make it happen. You was going to have to be the one to make it happen. And what makes him special is he the dude that can make it happen and he didn't make it happen. That's it. That's what it comes down to. I don't think it comes down to anything larger about can he ever win a Super Bowl? I don't think that you can also do what people are doing with Josh Allen. Well, like, you know, one day it's going to happen. No, you can't say that. This is one of the greatest regular season teams of all time, and they lost it. Ain't nothing guaranteed in this, right? And we thought it was guaranteed that Dan Marino would be back after he went his second year. Ain't nothing guaranteed in this. We ain't got to lie and go in those directions in order to try to make sense out of what happened in that game. But what you can say is a dude that seemed capable of a lot only seemed to do a little. And he going to have to answer for that. And he going to have to deal with that. And then while he's dealing with that, you can ask why in the world Todd Munkin forgot how to run the ball. When you get a chance, you can get into that one too. Because that was crazy. Like that looked like the Todd Munkin from Tampa. Far more than the Todd Munkin that we saw at Georgia. Right? I don't know why he, with Lamar Jackson, you thought that that was the way to go. I got no idea, right? A whole lot of people going to have to figure out a lot. But I can tell you one thing they don't need to bother trying to figure out is what to do with Patrick Mahomes because it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Sean, I called that man Jordan. People get mad at me when I call that man Jordan. I just don't know how you come out of this. And by the way, that was not like a top-notch statistical performance from Patrick Mahomes. That was a nickel and dime game from Patrick Mahomes. And sometimes it be like that. And I just need to know, man, how you telling me you seen something better than this? I remember I texted you after the game ended and I was like, he really is Jordan. Because like you said, it wasn't the best performance, but he got the win. And it was just another Patrick Mahomesian performance. Look, man, when he threw, you remember that time he threw the ball to Featherstone early in the year and Featherstone didn't catch it. And he said, yeah, well, I could have thrown it a little bit shorter. So he had time to get under it. You remember that? Yeah, and, and, and a couple of weeks ago, he defended the refs, or he went against the refs rather than going against yeah. his own receivers. But that particular play is important because what he did when Featherstone was open at the end of that game was take a little bit off of it so that he could run under it, right? Getting the touchdown wasn't that important. Like, if he catches it in stride, it's a touchdown. But what was a little bit more important was him just catching the ball, and he took a little bit off of it so that he could catch the ball because that's what he needs. But to be fair, that is where he is not Jordan or Kobe or any of them dudes because Jordan still would have threw his ass a heater. Jordan went through that thing so hard, everybody got stuck in his face mask, right? Like, like Jordan is not accounted for the fact that the other kids aren't as good as him. His brain don't work like that. LeBron, a little bit of a different situation, right? Like, LeBron gets it. Hey, man, you got to walk some of these other kids along. Mahomes walked 
Featherstone along, got him something that he could do something with, and by y'all, it all went down. Like, he's that guy. <laughs> There's no way around this. Now, granted, again, I watched that game with literally his biggest fan, okay? But he's right, man. Um, when they played against Miami, he said they said it was just because it was the cold. When they played against Buffalo, you came out of the game talking about Josh Allen. They just went into and by the way, the first road games of Patrick Mahomes' career in the playoffs, and then they went up there in Buffalo and in Baltimore, and they just looked like the champs. They had the confidence of the champs. It's Travis Kelsey uh, throwing Justin uh, Justin Tucker's ball out the way because he he wanted to practice kicking because Mahomes was coming out there. Like, they came out there and they bullied them boys. You don't think about that as a team that bullies people. They went out there and they bullied them boys. They did that. They did that. And by the way, did you notice, by the way, and I've noticed this a little bit over the years, but I talked about it during the game. Hey, Sean, Kansas City, they got a little Iowa in their defense, man. They out there, ain't a lot of people running out there with two white dudes at linebacker. You know what I'm saying? And like, one of them extra white. Like, he got one of them names that I honestly... I don't know it. We'll start with a K. Yeah, and their you know their their secondary honestly proved to be like the most elite part of that defense, and kind of shocking that this is the best defense Pat Mahomes has played with. And again, they're going to the Super Bowl. It is, but I'm gonna tell you this right now. This is this is just for you guys to know, especially in that back seven, like football getting to be like basketball in the sense where there used to be a time where this wasn't the case, but now, rest assured. That white man earned the right to be there. If he is playing any of them running backward positions, trust me, he has irked his stripes. And Bo, the player you're referencing just before we go uh, change, George Karloftis, he's Greek. Don't nobody care what his name is. All right, man, uh, we got a couple of levels and like I got to be honest with you guys. As you know, as many of you know, I'm a day one Detroit Lions fan. Day one, when was day one? I remember it very well, but I can't tell you the exact day. But anyway, I've been a day one on this. I've been there. And I know that a lot of y'all probably think it's a bit. And I understand that like when I was at Nick's house, it wasn't rating. But I got to tell you, man, when the Lions was making it happen in the first half and they was making those big plays, I was... you. I'm going to do the exact, I, I don't know how it's going to affect the sound, but I'm going to do the exact one. But you know what I'm talking about. Like when you be into a game and you start leaning forward and somebody get it done and you start clapping, but your clap is this one. You know that one? You know that one? You saw that look on my face. You'd be like, yeah, there we go, baby. There we go. It's that clap. You're not, it's not, a, it's not so much about applause. I don't even know what it is, but he like, it has a very particular sound to it. You know what it is? And I was there, man. I was there. They was up there throwing them boys around in the first half. Gibbs making them runs. They was making it happen. They was making it happen on defense. Old Brock Purdy was out there looking shook. Oh, boy. I was there, man. I mean, I, was, I, I started to see it, right? I was like, yo, is this happening? Is it really going? I'm starting to think about, like, what I was going to bring with me to the Super Bowl to, like, denote my fandom. I needed to, like, make sure I ordered me a conference championship shirt. I was thinking, like, do I go farther than that? Do I try to get me, like, a Billy Sims throwback, like a Lim Barney joint? Maybe, some, maybe that Night Train Lane, right? Like, I was, I, was, I, was, I was thinking about all the things that I needed to do. And then... This thing happened uh, to the Lions. Like, I don't know 
if it was one of those things where like everybody drank out of the same water container and so the virus was already in it right and so then everybody caught it i don't i don't really know what it is but it appeared that the entire roster was suffering from fol um and fol for those of you who did not go to medical school is a medical condition called full onset lemon booty the lemon booty washed over that whole roster everywhere you went booties was like it's right there just the lemon booty just it 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 took him down man it took him down it really really did it really did like they they've been working on a vaccine for it for a very long time they haven't been able to figure it out but it was just like it was just full. It was like if it, it was like full onset lemon booty. It was like they had lemon booty and they was doing deadlifts. You know what I'm saying? Like them booties was just all the way, like just mashed tight. Like they, 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 like every single one of them. I don't even know how they was able to walk. How they I, like it, it's actually amazing. They played as well as they did, right? Considering what it was, man. And then on top of like they had lemon booty and then. It was like in some ways the 49ers seemed like they had horseshoe booty because they lucky asses was just like them. That one ball hit the dude from the lines in the head and then it bounced off and then I you got it. That's that horseshoe booty when that happened, right? And so like when you got lemon booty and they got horseshoe booty, it don't it don't so much work. You know what I'm saying? Like it don't so much go together. And Dan Campbell went for it on those fourth downs. I got that. I love the way the team seemed to respond to that. They're like, yo, we should have had it, right? Um the problem, the thing with Dan Campbell, it, it relates to him going forward on fourth down and also when they ran that ball on third down at the end. I don't think in the end that was going to really matter, but I understand the argument about why you should have passed just in case. And the reason that he's going to run that on third down is very simple. It's the same reason he did that other thing, you know, going for those fourth downs. Y'all out here thinking about, well, you know, well, what if you don't get it? And Dan, Camp Dan Campbell is not viewing those plays as we're going to try to convert fourth down. He's looking at it as we bout to convert this fourth down. That was it. And on the first one, had to play, dropped a pass, another, that, that FOL. Now, that's, that's, that's the one question. I understand that Dan Campbell is not a doctor like I am. But that is the one question, is that whether or not he should have recognized the presence of the FOL. And if he had recognized the presence of the FOL, he should have known maybe these cats wasn't able to handle these passes and these plays and these moments, right? Like, that's that's the one argument that you can make, man. But no, I loved it, man. I loved it. But I, I'm not going to... Sean, I'm being dead serious here. Like, I felt it, man. I felt it. I was I was just... Uh, I was a little... Yeah, man, I kind of felt it. Did you feel it? I kind of felt it. I, I kind of felt it. I think everyone kind of felt it. Yeah, but I don't know if they felt it like me, man. Like, I was really, like, as it was fading away, I really felt like a measure of disappointment. Um, I, I'm going to talk a little bit more about it a little later, but I am going to say this right fast, and that is I had somebody on Twitter say to me that I brought my bad Atlanta Falcons luck with me, and that's what happened in the second half of that game. And I just wanted to say, if you root for the lions and you would ever say that to me you got some nerve you got some nerve y'all ain't never get this far till i showed up what are you talking about i'm the best you talk about all this dan campbell right all this brad holmes miss sheila all these new no 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 y'all ain't really start seeing no results till your boy got here right right say what you want about the falcons but they've been to super bowls 
I think rather than saying I brought bad luck, I might be the luckiest thing that ever happened to y'all. Now, if, if for whatever reason, y'all's Walter Payton man of the year got caught solicited in a prostitute the night before the game and then got burnt in the game. Okay, blame that on me. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. I recognize that falls on me. Okay. But. Um, in line with what I said last week, I don't really want to be out here talking too much about the teams that did not win in the time of the teams that did win. And all right, this is what we got to talk about with the 49ers in this game. They won this game for a very, very simple reason. Brock Purdy went out there and did it. That's why they won that game. Again, he had a bit of a case of horseshoe booty. He had some horseshoe booty in the first half too. Like it could have been worse. And he gets by on some horseshoe booty stuff quite often, quite often. But in the end, all that stuff I felt like I was talking about with Lamar Jackson and you dropping back and there's nobody open, but you got to go out there and find a way to make it happen. Brock Purdy did that. He did that. And the question that you have about a quarterback to me, about whether a team can win a Super Bowl with a quarterback, is when a game like that comes up, can that dude do it? And so I feel confident that Lamar Jackson can do it, but he hasn't. All right. I wasn't sure if Brock Purdy could do it and he did. Boom. It's right there. Like all that stuff I've talked about before on this show about how you got to stop talking about Brock Purdy in the context of being a game manager because that game manages a mentality and he ain't got it. He absolutely believes that the play got to be made. He's going to be the one to go ahead and make it. He does not have the fear of you saying it's your fault that we didn't get it done. You, you, you did a little bit too much and you couldn't make it happen. He's not afraid of that being the end result. He's not. And that's huge. And he went out there and he got it done. Nobody, no matter what we've said, nobody can take away from that when it comes to him. And he deserves, to me, all the credit in the world under that situation. Now, I don't necessarily know how that's going to help or affect or whatever it is when they get to the Super Bowl. But I know for that game, he did it. And from here on out, what we'll have to say about him, no matter what, we don't necessarily know if he will do it, but we can't say that we don't know if he can. We can't say that we don't know if he's got it in him. He does. Like, what was he, 14 for 17 in the second half, Sean? I think that's what the number was. Yeah, and his rushing numbers should have been what Lamar's rushing numbers have been for the day. You know, 48 yards on the ground, 9.6 average. Yeah, that's why I say there's such an irony to what happened with Lamar. Now, it's going to be hard for Lamar Jackson to average 10 yards to carry in a game because, quite honestly, they expected that from him, so they got safeguards in place. Brock Purdy, I mean, he's still white. Anytime the white dudes start running, I don't know what the hell they got to do before people realize, like, oh, damn, he's been down 15 yards. Oh, that's what he's doing. He's running. Sorry. I didn't recognize it. I didn't know what it looked like when you do, right? Like, I mean, people just slow on the uptake when white dudes decide that they're going to get out there and run. So it's going to be hard to get Lamar Jackson out here at this point in his career getting, like, nine and a half a carry. But what you saw, though, was a different sort of willingness from Purdy and how important it was in them getting out there and moving those chains because we have talked about this Nick had pointed this out to me before but it was the truth man them Shanahan teams had not been like coming back from like five points they couldn't get it done they came back in this game from 17 now part of it is I do believe that the Lions were riding super high coming out of there like early they went they got a little out over their skis and I just don't know if condition wise or anything else they couldn't maintain that same level of energy 
all the way through the end of the game. They just could not do that, right? But I just need everybody to know something, and this is important, okay? Everybody needs to, everybody needs to, to understand this and get this. This season for the Lions, for like the people from Detroit and the day ones like myself, okay? It was really dope to like look at something and like and, and I would be honest with you right I've joked about this in large part but I do mean what I'm about to say like this is a sincere thing for me I started joking about like rooting for the Lions and all of this because I wanted to have a team to root for like I looked up and realized I had gone so much like you know kicking it in this as a professional does that I hadn't had a team to root for and I wanted to have a team to root for and I was kind of feeling the Jets a little bit and oh boy good thing I didn't do that wow I decided to go and get down with the Lions. And, you know, I ain't been out here reading every blog and everything about Detroit, but I've been sincerely, every time I watched them, wanted them to win and feeling a level of investment in the players they got, the success they have and everything else. Like, I'm trying, I was, I've been really trying to find a path toward healthy sports fandom. And I have, like, truly and legitimately enjoyed watching our Lions get it done this season and seeing the emotional outpouring that they had uh, when they won the first game and the emotional outpouring that they had when they won that second game. And I sincerely hope that for a lot of y'all, no matter how it went with that game and maybe they had the chance to win it or whatever it else, man, they seem to got something foundational here. This ain't necessarily the last time or whatever, but I'll admit, man, like getting like back immersed into what it is that makes this whole sports thing fun that way and with a team that was legitimately fun and with a coach that's a go hard I enjoyed that this year man like I did feel legitimate disappointment when I watched the game go away I was gonna be sincerely happy if they had won you know how crazy this is I'll be putting on for Detroit more than Vinnie Goodwill does think about that Vinnie Goodwill how, you know, like, like, just, just, just how, how that make, how that make you look, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, I was there. I was with it. I enjoyed it. They had a great season and so much about the way we talk about sports is getting into what it is that people could have done, but didn't do or whatever. And I really do hope that like, you could look at a team like that. Like we talked about this off the air. If it was a college team, people are better at that, right? Because there's such a range of outcomes. People are better at appreciating what it was, but this team, this team was a good team, right? And so good for them. Congratulations to them on the season they had. And um, I'm trying to figure out the proper way to segue into this video. I'm just going to say that, you know, Lions fans are handling this in many different ways. Um, but in the end, um, well, let's highlight our man. Is it Jackpot the Juice? Yep, yep. Jackpot the Juice. Yeah, we lost. We lost. I ain't tripping. I ain't mad. We got next year. We we well, what y'all not gonna do is act like we just didn't go crazy this whole season. That's what I'm saying. All of a sudden, we had millions of fans today. We I was lost. one of them. Blew a 17 point lead at half, but shit, we played the 49ers. I broke my fucking glasses, but oh no. We just gonna clap it up for the Lions right now, man. That's right. We did our thing. Clap it up. We did our thing. Clap it up. We did our thing. Yes. We did our yes. thing. Yes. Fire! Fire! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! That took a shit! turn. Shit! Shit! No! No!
Prize picks is the most fun you can have by winning up to 25 times your money this football season. Now you can play during basketball season two. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. And with the NBA back, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. And if you stick around for the end of the show, you'll get to hear some picks from producer Sean that can either help you win or make you fail miserably. So make sure you go to prizepicks.com slash Bomani and use code Bomani for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash Bomani. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's a new year, which means it's time for everyone's New Year's resolutions. We tend to get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. This year, let's stop the new year, new you talk and focus on things we want to keep the same in 2024. Whether you found a consistent workout routine, a healthier diet plan, or decided to read more, let's continue the things we did well last year into the new year. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bomani today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bomani. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. And spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. We know you can't be on top of all the news and information of the day. No need for the social media feeds. We got you. Now, if you haven't heard. Hey, uh, Sean, right fast. John Solo in the chat said Detroit is basically a most shitty Cleveland. And I'm going to have to say this, right? I've been to both places, but I haven't been to either one for very long. But I tell you this, when I was in Cleveland, I stayed in a double tree that didn't have cookies. And I, I just I just feel like that's a relevant detail to break up when you start making such comparisons as you have here. I just feel like we need to throw that out there. There's a double tree. And it ain't because they ain't had cookies that day. Apparently, they ain't had cookies for a long time. For a long time. All right. So, you know, 
Anyway, Sean, let's tell people about the larger world. All right, our first story comes, uh, it's, it's about gummy vitamins. Hey, I'm Jacob Stern, a staff writer at The Atlantic, and this week I wrote about gummy dietary supplements. These things basically didn't exist 25 years ago, and now it can feel like they're everywhere. The gummy supplement market has been going like crazy in recent years, and it's expected to double again by 2027. You can get pretty much any supplement imaginable in gummy form these days. There are peach collagen rings and brambleberry probiotics and tropical zing gummy worms that promise to put you in an upbeat mood. And this can all seem great. I mean, who wouldn't rather eat a peach ring than take a pill in the morning? But there are some downsides. For one thing, uh, gummies are sugary and gummy supplements are about as sugary as Sour Patch Kids are. Not the end of the world, but not the healthiest thing to be eating every day either. For another thing, the fact that they look and taste exactly like candy may increase the risk of kids taking too many if they're not safely stored. And while overdosing on supplements is not dangerous in the same kind of way that overdosing on a prescription medication is, uh, supplements taken in excess, some of them at least, can still be toxic. Maybe the most serious issue uh, with gummy supplements is that they can have wildly unreliable quantities of the relevant supplement in them. Researchers who have studied this have found that an individual gummy can sometimes have more than three times the amount of advertised supplement in it. Because of all of this, the doctors and researchers I spoke to had a simple piece of advice. Don't buy gummy supplements. All right, so I just want to throw this out here, right? Um... So basically what they're saying here is the way that people have been using like these gummy supplements is it's like taking medicine, not really medicine, but you know what I mean. It's taking medicine, but it tastes like candy. That's what, that's what we're talking about. Right, Sean? Yeah. In theory there, it's a, it's a healthier option. Well, I mean, well, my man just said it ain't a healthier option. It sounds like it's just right. a tastier I, I think people had thought that taking gummy vitamins led to getting their multivitamins in a healthy way, but obviously not. Right. But did, no, that's what I'm asking. They think they were getting their multivitamins in a healthy way, or they think they was getting them in a tasty way. Cause it seems like they thought they were getting them in a tasty way. And if you were like trying to get your vitamins, but you needed it to be tasty, um, you ain't never heard of the Flintstones, you childish motherfucker. Go to the store and get some and, and get some Flintstone vitamins. If that's what it is that you did, like, what? Grow up. I, I, I mean, I'm just. I remember I was hearing this and I was just like, wow, you people just need to grow up. That's all I can think is y'all need to grow up. That's it. Grow up. This comment from the regulator on on YouTube says medicine should never taste good, and that's what I've always believed. I mean, grow up. That's all I got. Grow up. Our next, uh, if you had heard, submission comes uh, from Business Insider, and it's about the gender gap in Gen Z. Something strange is happening between Gen Z men and women. Over the past decade, poll after poll has found that young people are growing more and more divided by gender on a host of political issues. Since 2014, women between the ages of 18 and 29 have steadily become more liberal each year, while young men have not. Today, female Gen Zers are more likely than their male counterparts to vote. They care more about the political issues and participate in social movements and protests. While the gender gap is an enduring feature of American politics, at no time in the past quarter century has there been such a rapid divergence between the views of young men and young women. Part of the growing divide is being caused by feelings of insecurity and displacement. Both genders are feeling precarious about their place in American society, and it's causing them to drift further apart. While the causes are complex, the upshot is clear. 
there appears to be a growing eagerness among both young men and women to blame the other for their problems. If Gen Z men and women can't agree on politics, it's going to be harder for them to find a partner. But if anything, that understates the problem. A society in which men and women see their interests as irrevocably opposed is not one that can long endure. Yeah, and he's got a point here with, with the idea of gender politics becoming antagonistic. That's that's that that does not uh, uh, foretell. I think that's the word. It ain't good. How about that? However, I can totally see how that's just going to be the case. Like, in part, I was hearing what he was saying, and I was thinking to myself, wow, you guys are raising some sorry dudes. Like, I felt like that's kind of what I was hearing in the course of this. Like, oh, women are more likely to vote than men don't. I'm like, oh, boy, y'all out here raising another generation of bums. But where I think I had a measure of disagreement with what the writer said was the idea that women's politics and men's politics are now becoming divergent. And I don't know if they're becoming divergent as much as women are now, for lack of a better term, allowed more than ever to have their own individual political views. Like, it's not the idea that you're going to vote for whatever your man, man voted for, right? Like, let us not forget, it wasn't that long ago that a woman wasn't allowed to have a checking account. Now, I understand that's not directly tied to what a woman's political views were, but that tells you a lot about the idea of, like, what a woman's personal agency happened to be. And I do think that she's a younger generation that is more in touch with what their agency is and are going to wind up pushing there more and more. And then you wind up with these dudes that's all just afraid that they losing something. And so they then go and push back, right? But in a world where like marriage is not treated as the same guarantee as it was, it's not like, okay, these women going to get more, but then I'm going to marry a woman that got more and boom, now we got more. I don't think people are seeing it that way. People are seeing this as like individual turf wars. And yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter who's right or wrong in this. It isn't very encouraging. Certainly not, Bo. And our last, uh, if you haven't heard, submission. Um, if you haven't heard, the Los Angeles Times announced Tuesday that it was laying off at least 115 people, more than 20% of the newsroom in one of the largest workforce reductions in the history of the 142-year-old institution. Um, according to pay the paper's owner, Dr. Patrick Shun, Soon Xiong, the cuts were necessary because the paper could no longer lose 30 million to 40 million a year without making progress toward building higher readership that would bring in advertising and subscriptions to sustain the organization. Um, young journalists of color were disproportionately affected by the layoffs. The LA Times Guild said in a statement, with many black, Asian American, and Latino staffers losing their jobs, despite Soon Xiong's family's commitment to diversity in 2020, the paper still hasn't really truly affected the region. And according to a staffer who tweeted uh, about the layoffs, the LA Times laid us off in an HR Zoom webinar with chat disabled, no Q&A, and no chance to ask questions. And this was in a week where Business Insider had also had uh, about 6% layoffs. Sports Illustrated recently laid off nearly their entire newsroom. And I was curious for you, Bo, what you think about the state of journalism right now in this moment. I mean, it's, 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 it's not new. Like, it's been tenuous. And the issue is they can't exactly figure out. It's, the, the newspaper thing is a little bit different when they talk about they can't find readership. Like, that, that I think is a little bit different. But overall... There's a demand for content. They just ain't really doing a great job of figuring out how to make money off of it. Now, with Sports Illustrated, this was always the plan. Like, this is your classic private equity. We bought it 
to tear it down, right? And then we're going to sell it for parts. I sent a text message to my old friend Pablo, who was complaining about what happened in Sports Illustrated. And I said to him, it sounds a lot like the process, doesn't it? It's all the same idea, right? The rules as they are in place incentivize you doing something that is utterly and totally soulless, right? Now, in the case of the process, my man Pablo said, hey, as long as, you, as long as the rules are there, people are going to do stuff like this. But he used to work for Sports Illustrated, so he felt the same sadness as everybody else when they did the exact same thing, right? But that's how this goes with those sorts of companies. Every time somebody talks about private equity getting involved in college sports, I ask you, when's the last time private equity made something better? And nobody has an answer for that. That is positive. Okay. Now, what happened with the LA Times, and this is the part that jumps off the page to me about that is a billionaire buying a newspaper is not terribly different than a billionaire buying a professional sports franchise, which is to say, what makes you think they have any idea what they're doing? They get in, it seems like a good idea, and then they get there, and they're like, yo, this is really, really hard. At least with the sports team, especially like a football team, you're pretty much guaranteed to make money, or at the very least guaranteed to have equity growth. So that was going on with the newspapers. So the guy comes in, and I mean, I bet he thought he knew what was going to happen. He thought he could make it happen like Bezos made it happen, or like to a degree over there with the Post. But no, nah, man. Running a newspaper in this day and age is really, really, really hard, and the fall of newspapers is really, really, really bad. Like this is disturbing. And it's, I know that people think it's a little overstated when the Washington Post did the whole democracy dies in darkness thing, but it is true. And like having a paper like the LA times decline a bit, it's hard to hold people to account when you can't put them on front street and newspaper is by definition, the front street. Again, shout out to the uh, Right Time audience who submitted uh, a ton of stories on when you squared up with your pops. Let's get this first one from Lorenzo. Bomani, this is Lorenzo Brown from New York calling to tell you about that time that I tried to square up with my pops. Well, I was about 18 years old, had just returned from Marine Corps boot camp in Paris Island, South Carolina. Now, mind you, this was back in 1979 when the method of uh, creating killing machines, as they called us back then, was that the drill instructors were allowed to physically uh, abuse and manipulate uh, uh, the, the Marines back then. Well, I got back from boot camp, and I thought that I was a hard-charging leatherneck killing machine ready to go to war for the U.S. of A. And I wanted to try out my new skills on my dad. And I told my dad, I bet you I can take you. My dad said, I tell you what, I'm going to get down on all fours and you get me into whatever hole or chokehold or whatever situation you want to, and we'll figure out what you got. Well, I got my father in what I thought was the best position I could ever get him in. That was a full Nelson. And he said to me, are you ready? I said, yes. Bomani, the next thing that happened was I just heard a rumbling and a thumbling and a thudding as though I was listening to it in third person, not even realizing that that, that rumbling and that tumbling was me being flipped and flopped and flown through the air and 
When I came to myself, my father was sitting on my chest with his hands around my neck yelling, and I didn't understand the words that were coming out of his mouth because I was just coming out of a stupor. And I heard my mother standing over his shoulder saying, Daddy, stop, Daddy, Daddy, stop. You're going to kill him. You're going to kill him. And I heard my dad saying, don't you ever, as long as you live, don't you ever try me. I will kill you. Don't you ever. <laughs> Bomani, I am 62 years old. My dad is 85, I believe it is at this point. And until this day, I will never, ever, ever try that man as long as I live. That's my story. And it's as fresh in my mind as though it was yesterday. Peace out. What I love about this is clearly that man didn't even need to be so bad about it because he had the situation under control, but he was so furious. He was willing to go through, like, he gave you the, the it, like, he spotted you the points, right? And you would think that that would, you would not think that that meant he would still be so mad about this game. He was, I mean, I gave Sean, he was so mad. I love that, like, he was like, once I got out of the stupor, I was like, I think your dad was the one in the stupor. <laughs> he said, at once he couldn't understand his dad, but he could understand his mom, and then he could understand his dad. Oh, man, that's rough. That's rough. Who we got next? All right, here's one from uh, Corey from Chicago. What's up, Bo? It's Corey from Chicago. So, first time I tried to square up with my pops, I didn't even try to square up with him. My pops wasn't living with me at the time, and uh, it was me and my mama, and I was going at it with my mama, going back and forth, and I'm cussing, uh -oh. cussing, cussing. And she's like, yeah, just keep on going at it. And I'm just going in at her, not knowing that my pops was on his way. My pops kicked down that door, come in. This ain't a whooping. I had to be about 13 probably at the time. This ain't whooping time. This is straight hand. Pops come in, just put the flames on me, man. I mean, just fist. Foot to ass, got my ass whooped by my pops. I knew then he wasn't nothing to be messed with, right? So that was the first time I got stumped out by my pops. <laughs> so second time, uh, I had to be about, uh, I think I was probably 18, 19 years old. I, I played college football, played NAIA ball. That's about the point. Playing college football, got some weight on me. Now, mind you, Bo, I'm 6'2", about 285, 290. My pops, 6'4", 300. Big dude. He's born in the 50s, so. You know, that 300, that's all in his hands and feet. So uh, me and him getting to it over something. And I'm knowing now he older. My pop's like 35 years older than me. He older, me and him going at it. He started going on his little crazy rants and stuff. So I'm like, oh, I can get him now. So me and him immediately started throwing hands. And Bo, got to say, I beat him. I beat him. We going back and forth. I get him on his ass. My mama pulled me up off of him. Tell me to get on up out the room. I'm getting up out the room. I'm taking a fight over with. Little did I know, fight wasn't over with. Pops come out with a pistol. I take off running. Now, was my pops going to shoot me? Probably not. But was I willing to try it? Hell no. And to this day, my pops are almost 70 years old. I will never try that man for that. Love the show, Bo. Keep doing what you do. Peace. Hey, man, pops had to let you know. Like, you may have won the fight, but uh, there was he was not ready to move out of his own house. The whole dynamic was not going to change, right? Like, you won that fight. Okay, but he had to reassert the dynamic. And the dynamic was reasserted. Woo! <laughs> That's funny. All right, Bo, our last one is a kind of reverse of this situation. Hey, Bo, so I know I called in years ago with the time I tried to try my pops. But I'm going to hit you with the reverse side of it. The time my son tried to try me. 
So oh. he had disrespected his mama. He had got in trouble in school, got suspended. So he talking with his mama. He had called his mama out her name. So she just said, you know what I'm saying? When your daddy get here, she don't, he gonna hear about this. And he was like, I don't care, you know, so whatever. All right. So I'd have been at work all day in the sun because I work outside. So I got, I got to the house and she told me what happened. So I bust the door open and say, what the hell happened? And he trying to explain the story to me. And you know what I'm saying? And he like grabbed a hold of me for some reason. So when he did that, I just punched that motherfucker in the gut. He threw up all over the place. So, you know, I told him to pick that stuff up, clean all that shit up. And I said, you didn't disrespect your mama. You disrespect my wife. You ever do that again, I'll fucking kill you. I don't give you care of you, my son or not. But anyway, bro, that's the story. Oh, uh, that's the story. Love the show. Keep doing y'all thing. Y'all keep keep it up. Yeah, nah, he, he, that, that's... The distinction that the young boy doesn't understand under those circumstances is it's not about your mama at that point. It's about his wife. Now that you ain't know his daddy was on the way thing. That's the boys that that uh, I told you about my homeboy who said that uh, he grew up in the Bay. He got into it with his mom and he rolled out, staying out late past when he was supposed to. And then he walked back in the house. He said his mom was sitting on the couch. His mom was sitting there and he looked at her. She was just reading something. He looked at her and just went like this threw his hand up just kept on walking past said he walked in that room turned on them lights and his pops was there his pops lived in la sean that is insane and terrifying his pops lived in la he said his pops heard what was going on his pops jumped on the road he walked in there his pops was all three of the following at the same time a bodybuilder a black panther and now he a preacher he said his pops got him by the neck and put him on the wall and his feet was dangling. <laughs> dangling. He thought he had it. He really did. Probably drove 200 miles down the highway to get there in time too, you know? Oh, no, no, no. He must have been like, I, mean, I feel like his pops have been waiting his whole life for this moment. Like, I feel like you dads be waiting. <laughs> I'm going to have that one chance. I'm going to only have to do it one time. I'm going to only get to do it one time. But I'm going to do it one time. Whew. But hey, ladies and gentlemen, Thanks so much for joining us here on the right time. Away Sports and Entertainment Original presented by Prize Picks, which means Sean, pick prizes for the people. We got some pick prizes for the people. Basketball slate tonight. Kawhi Leonard, 10 rebounds and assists. I'll take more there. Jared Allen, who's been on a nice run, 11 boards. I'll take more there. And Anthony Edwards, 38 and a half points, rebounds, and assists. I will take more there as well. All right. Now that's Sean New. He handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Also, thank you to our If You Haven't Heard contributors. Thanks to Jacob Stern of The Atlantic. Check out his story about how gummy vitamins are just candy at theatlantic.com. And thank you to Daniel Cox, the director of, Sur of the Survey Center on American Life. Check out his story in Business Insider about the gender gap in politics amongst Gen Z. Remember, follow the right time. Rate us, review us, subscribe, like, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Take it easy.